What if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking? It's true, Jason and Erica, owners of Distilled Bath & Body, created pit liquor. You heard me right, pit liquor. It's an all-natural deodorant that actually works. Ramona found pit liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life. Pit liquor is wonderful. They save my underarms. No more sweaty, itchy underarms for me. So I definitely love them and will be a customer as long as it keeps the smell, I guess, away. Pit liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in grandma's kitchen. I came across pit liquor online on Instagram. I saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their product. So the difference between pit liquor and other natural deodorant is I do not stink. <laughs> I've tried several, several different brands and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But pit liquor for me lasts all day. Pit liquor's risk-free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code number one fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag one fan. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Today we are presented by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. Harrison Wind, across the table from me, is Christian Clark recording on this Friday afternoon. We're down here at Blake Street Tavern, a couple blocks from Coors Field, great spot. You guys know about it, though, probably, from listening to this podcast. Probably if you live in Denver, you've probably been to Blake Street Tavern before. We're actually dueling radio slash podcasting with 104 the three 104 three the fan over there zach by and brandon stokely a little uh little podcast radio competition ongoing right now yeah after we finish this one up we got to meet him out back and have an anchorman style brawl <laughs> right who do you think the brick of bsn denver is who do you think will just come out with a trident i don't know if i want to say <laughs> okay that's fair that's fair <laughs> Um, I wonder if they're talking any nuggets on their show. Um, do you think they know who Juancho Hernan Gomez is? I think they do. Uh, Zach Bai, who's over there, who I'm friendly with, he talks nuggets on the fan. Okay. He's, he's one of the guys who's not afraid to talk nuggets. So I got to give him props for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean this is, is any sort of disrespect, but I don't really listen to local radio since I moved to Denver. I really listen to the shows in DFW where I grew up, but... I'm pretty much just a podcast boy now. Yeah, you're a millennial. Yep, Millenni- really millennials, am. they just don't have time for radio. I need it on demand. Right. They need they need what they want when they want it. They don't have time to listen to radio. 
Anyways, uh, like I said, a recording here on Friday at Blake Street Tavern. Nuggets are in Charlotte Friday evening. So kind of run down what we're seeing from the Hornets here as of late. Preview that game a little bit. Jump around the Western Conference. There's some interesting developments going on throughout the West that uh, we should hit on. And then wrap up by talking about Jamal Murray. There was this Bleacher Report article that came out today with just some fire quotes from uh, the Nuggets 21-year-old starting point guard. We'll talk about that and uh, maybe some notes on Juancho Hernan Gomez at the tail end of the show today. But I want to open up with Charlotte. Fourth game of a five-game road trip. Obviously, this road trip has gone just about as good as Nuggets could have hoped for, 4-0. What are you seeing in Charlotte? Because after Portland and Toronto, so this is the next toughest game on the road trip. They wrap up in Atlanta on the second night of a back-to-back. That should be one they easily get. But Charlotte doesn't seem like a pushover by any means. No, I mean, obviously it starts with Kemba Walker. The Nuggets have had some issues defending great penetrators of the basketball in the past. Yeah. Um, Kemba, you know, he's had a 60-point game this year. Very easily could go off. You know, it's funny looking up and down their roster. Jeremy Lamb is their second-leading scorer right now. Malik Bunkett is their third-leading scorer. I mean, they just don't have a lot of guys, you know, besides Walker who are are capable of doing anything dynamic. But they do have a a pretty solid bench as well. We were talking about that right before the show. So that's another thing to watch in this game as well. Yeah, other than Walker, they don't really have that one guy who's probably going to kill you. But somehow they're still the sixth best offense in the league. Yeah, They got Walker kind of at the head of the snake, and then they got all those other guys filling their roles around him. Charlotte, I mean, they're a solid team. Uh, Offensively, obviously I just mentioned the top ten rating. Defensively, uh, they're, I believe, right outside the top ten. Uh, yeah, they're 17, so about league average on defense. And then, you know, ninth best net rating in the league. So I feel like this is a game that could really go either way. You mentioned the bench, and this is something I found when I was doing some research for that deep dive I did on the Nuggets bench last week. But Charlotte is one of the few teams in the league now that plays a bench almost as much as the Nuggets. They're one of the few teams that plays a lineup with three bench players a lot of minutes they've got the tony parker michael kidd gilchrist willie ernan gomez malik monk and miles bridges bench unit it's played 46 minutes it's been really solid too. 109.3 offensive rating 95.3 defensive rating 14.1 net rating so this game could come down to does the nuggets bench really bring it again uh, against this hornets bench because some of these guys like tony parker having kind of a resurgence in uh, Charlotte and all those guys kind of fill into roles around him it seems. Yeah I'm excited to watch Miles Bridges get a close look at him. He was the guy who you know we, we were probably thinking Denver was going to pick 14th mm. overall. Right. It didn't quite last till there and of course we ended up with the Michael Porter Jr. shocker but I think Miles Bridges is going to be a, a pretty good pro in the NBA and it's funny to look back at that Michigan State team. They had Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr., who's just been a stud immediately in the NBA. That that Michigan State team should have been so much better. You know, I grew up a pretty big Michigan State fan because my, my parents both went there. I'm still salty about that loss to Syracuse in the round of 32 when they just went like freaking three for 25 from three or whatever it was. Tom Izzo, stick Miles Bridges in the middle of the zone. All right, I'm sorry. 
Preach, brother. How many times did we talk about that on the podcast last year? I would say leading up to the draft when we were championing for Luka Doncic to go one, Jaron Jackson to go two. We were very right about that, by the way. But it was so obvious he should have been playing at the five. And Miles Bridges should have been playing at the four. Not Tom Izzo's best coaching job. No, no. He hasn't adopted to modern basketball very well. He needs to just have a talk with Dan D'Antoni. <laughs> yes, I love me some Dan D'Antoni. You mentioned Jaron Jackson for a second. How good has he been this year? I know we're big Luka Doncic guys on this show. I can totally see a scenario out there where Jaron Jackson is the best player from this draft class. I would still take Luka Doncic, number one, but Jaron Jackson's the one guy who I think could eclipse Luka Doncic. I saw it at Summer League, I remember. I remember sitting courtside for a Memphis Grizzlies game at Summer League, and it was obvious this guy was going to be a stud. But he's your modern-day center. He can shoot it. He can protect the rim. He's athletic as heck. There's a scenario in my mind where he turns out better than Luka Doncic. Am I crazy? No, I, I don't think you're crazy at all. The way he moves yeah. on, on defense is just incredible. I mean, the instincts that he has, j- just watching how quickly he, he closes ground is unbelievable to see. You know, his three-point shot, it looks a little bit funky. It's kind of out in front of his body, but it's pretty effective. I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I would still bet on Luka being the better pro, but Jackson, Jackson out of any of those guys, could definitely get there and, and be the best player in this class. It was a great pick for Memphis, and... Suddenly, Memphis, who they were down in the dumps last year with Gasol and Conley injured, and people had them slated to win like 30, 35 games this year. That's honestly probably about where I thought they would come in, maybe a tad below 40. It obviously looks like they're going to exceed that, but now Memphis has themselves set up for the next 15 years around Jaron Jackson. I mean, you can build a quality team around a big man like that, so they're set up really well. Dallas is also set up really well. I don't know about Phoenix, who was also at the top of the draft. Not really sure what's going on uh, in Phoenix. Yeah, so Nuggets take on the Hornets tonight. Charlotte's going to play nine guys, the five starters, Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, Nicholas Batum, Kid Gilchrist, and Cody Zeller. They got Kaminsky, Bridges, Tony Parker, Malik Monk coming off the bench, Bismack Biombo toiling away deep on the bench, earning $17 million a year. All right, let's go ahead and take a break real quick. We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. This podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right, as many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spanos here, and he's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, guys, this year alone, I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. (laughs) If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN 
or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here recording Friday from Blake Street Tavern. If you're in the area, come down, check these guys out. Nice little lunch spot. Got all your sports on. Got 104.3, the fan over there yelling at us. I see you, Zach. Anyways, I want to scan up and down the Western Conference here because I feel like we got some interesting developments had a few people over to my place last night to watch this Rockets-Jazz game, some of the Denver media contingent, and I was expecting a nice competitive basketball game between two decent Western Conference teams, Utah and Houston. Rudy Gobert gets ejected early in the game, and I was like, all right, Houston's probably going to run away with this thing, or at least it's probably going to be a close game. Quite the opposite. Utah absolutely runs Houston off the court. What is going on with the Rockets, man? What is going on with them? I didn't think they'd be as good as they were last year. I feel like there's some deep issues, though, in Houston. Yeah, man. I mean, did, did you see uh, Eric Gordon's quote today? He, he's told The Athletic, I'm just not having fun, man. This sucks. Even the times where I have good games, we're just not using some guys the right way. Are we going to make the right sacrifices? Do we have the right attitude? I would be panicking if I was a fan of this team now. I mean, I would be really, really worried. Uh, I mean, I think they're in danger of not making the playoffs unless they make a they make a change. Was he calling out Mike D'Antoni there with those comments? I don't know if we're using our guys the right way. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, I, I don't even know if it's the use of the guys. It seems like they're playing the same style of basketball. It, it just seems like the roster is a lot worse this year than last year. Right. And they're not playing defense. Last year, they were a top 10 defense or a borderline top 10 defense for most of the year. This year, they're like the Denver Nuggets of last year. Really good on offense still. Uh, really bad on defense. I think 27th overall in the league. Offensively, they're, I mean, they're decent. They're not even that great, though. Ninth overall in offensive efficiency. Yeah, they lost their, their 13th game of the season last night. Houston lost 17 games total last year. Like, they're going to probably hit 17 losses in the month of December. Who can they even go get, though? I know it doesn't seem like there's that marquee guy on the market they could go get, but, you know, just wait a couple weeks, and I'm sure another superstar will become available. Like, could they go out and get one of those guys from Washington? Could they call up the Lakers and see if they'd want to move any of their young I, I don't know what Houston does uh, I don't know it doesn't seem like there's a quick fix like if they could go get Bradley Beal somehow that'd be a huge win but they don't have the young pieces probably I don't know if they have what Washington would be looking for I don't think Washington really wants to trade Beal anyway but it just doesn't seem like there's a uh, quick fix insight I guess I would say for these Rockets they might just have to ride it out yeah, I mean, you, you could move, try to move Chris Paul before things looked really, really bad with that contract. Um, I mean, he's going to get some outrageous sums as he gets into his mid and late 30s, but yeah, I don't know. That might, that might be a little premature. I agree with you, though. They're probably in danger of missing the playoffs this year. 
we were talking about this before we started recording. If you had to book five or book which teams in the Western Conference are automatic to make the playoffs, probably go Golden State and then Oklahoma City and then Denver. Those might be your three playoff locks or as close to playoff locks as you have. Would you say the Lakers are a lock? I think they're a lock. Um, Well, if you think they're a lock, then they're not (laughs) a lock. I don't know. I can't see them missing the playoffs, but it's not like they have a... uh, It's not like they have a roster comparable to what Denver has or what Oklahoma City has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think they're going to get in just obviously because of LeBron, but... There, there's just so much uncertainty. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. How are you feeling about the Kings? Do you think, like they're, they're pushing the Mavs for the eighth seed right now? Do you think they're, they're kind of in the mix for one of those seeds? Um, as, as you know, even around the All Star break, or you see them fading. I'm seeing them fading, and I think they're gonna fade real quickly here. I wouldn't be surprised if we reconvene next Friday, <laughs> and the Kings are well out of the playoff picture, and they lose like three or four in a row. I'm not a believer in the Kings. They're a nice story. It's a nice group of guys. I like the job Dave Yeager's doing. I like how he's coaching this team through all that adversity he's facing off the court. But yeah. I'm not a believer in the Kings. Yeah, telling your assistant GM to just get out of your shoot-around is unreal. It's unreal dysfunction. Move. I respect it, and I'm a Dave Yeager guy after this whole incident. <laughs> I was never really a Dave Yeager guy as a coach. Didn't really think he was anything special as a coach, but... Hey, man, if I got a young team, I don't think Dave Yeager is a bad option. It seems like he's always going to have his guys back. What about your Mavericks? Are you buying them as a playoff contender? 12-11 and 11 right now in the eighth spot, tied with Sacramento. What do you think about the Mavs? Oh, my God. I mean, Luka has been just about as good as I thought he could be. I think I am buying them as a contender. Their bench is just unbelievable. I don't understand how J.J. Brea just continues to ball. Like, how is J.J. Brea doing this? He's five foot freaking 11, and he's killing dudes. HGH. He's killing dudes. (laughs) Maxi Kleber is a shot-blocking menace, I have to say. I I didn't see that one coming. You know, Mm. Dirk is ramping up his his work to get back on the court. I'm kind of wondering, like, is there going to be a rotation spot for Dirk? I'm kind of wondering if he's going to take all of Dwight Powell's minutes is, is what I'm really concerned about. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> that, that's a BSN Nuggets podcast deep cut right there. Uh, I'm glad you're buying the Mavericks because I'm not, unfortunately. Okay. Not buying them as a playoff contender. Not buying them as a playoff team. It's a nice story, like Sacramento. They got a lot of young guys getting off to a good start. Rick Carlisle, we know he's going to coach his guys up. I just don't see it. I think they'll fade here over the next month or so. Maybe not as quickly as the Kings, but they'll fade. I've seen that Mavs Twitter is calling Jalen Brunson Action Brunson, so <laughs> respect to them. Has for he that. been good this year? Um, I mean, I was not impressed with him at summer league. I, I think he's been solid for them. Yeah. What do you think about the Timberwolves? It's another team I wanted to hit here. They've been great since Jimmy the Jimmy Butler trade. They've been great on the defensive end of the floor. They still have a guy named Carl Anthony Towns, who's probably, what, a top 15 player in the league. Do you think they could make this thing interesting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to be in the mix. Like, Towns is just too good. Covington is playing great on defense right now. I mean, he, I think he's probably in the mix for defensive player of the year at this point in the season. 
Yeah, that happened fast. Yeah. That seems like Covington for Defensive Player of the Year seems like a storyline that just developed over this last two-week span. I mean, is, is Andrew Wiggins going to make shots this year? He, no. He's shooting 38.9% from the field right now. No, he's uh, not. How is a, a max guy shooting below 40% a quarter of the way into a season? Well, he shouldn't be a max guy. That's the thing. We have to refer to him as a max guy because of his contract, but he should not be a max guy. And he's actually like kind of making threes this year. It's, it's all the two-pointers. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he's a very good player, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> Piping hot one. Is that? Is Andrew Wiggins a winning player? No, he stinks. <laughs> he stinks. Yeah. So I guess what we're trying to get at is this Western Conference is still jumbled as heck. You've got the Spurs at 11 and 14, six and a half games behind the Nuggets for the top spot in the West. The Spurs, like I said, who are at 14th overall in the West are two games behind Dallas for the eighth spot. It's still early. There's still a lot of things to sort out there, but um, I got to think over this next month, like when we get to Christmas, I think the Kings will have dropped off by then. Maybe the Mavs drop off by then, or maybe they hang around into uh, January, but you got to think the cream is going to start rising to the top. The last thing I want to ask you about, the Clippers. I've been pretty firm that I'm not buying the Clippers as like this you know, team who could finish in the top couple seeds of the Western Conference. I'm not even going to lock them into a playoff spot right now. They remind me a lot of the 2013-14 Denver Nuggets. George Carl's last year, that team, what were they, a third seed in the West that season? Lost to the Warriors in the playoffs. Incredible at home. A team without a star, and you just had a lot of guys playing for each other, playing for their coach. Doc Rivers is the George Carl. Daniel Gallinari is on this Clippers team. Of course, he was on that Nuggets team. You got Montrez Harrell, who's your Kenneth Fareed. He's got a lot of pieces who you wouldn't think fit together, but play really well off each other. And they're an unselfish team. They share the ball. Uh, they're a mature group. It's not like they're a super young group. They got some guys who have been around the block before. Lou Williams can just take over in fourth quarters. Tobias Harris having a big year. I'm seeing a lot of parallels between those two teams. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a pretty interesting comparison. I see that, too. Quick aside real quick, too. You know, we were throwing out the idea, I don't know, was, was it last year? of Oh, Milos Teodosic would, would be a mm. great backup point guard in Denver. Um, probably not. Yeah, Milos, Milos doesn't... Um, I don't think the NBA game, it might not be for him. I think he might want to go back to Europe. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a little better than this. I mean, this year he's barely playing. He's played in 11 games this year. Yeah. I mean, Maybe yeah. back to Russia. I don't think he uh, defense is one of his core beliefs. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. He's not really out there to play D. No, no. He's, uh, he's out there to throw a couple highlight passes, you know, flip his hair to the side a couple times, and that's about it. Maybe he can look at his uh, countrymen. Nikola Jokic in Denver, and look how he's committed himself to def the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. We can draw some inspiration for that, but Milos is probably a little past that point in his career. Isn't he like 30, 31, 32? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you suddenly dedicate yourself to the defensive end of the floor in your mid-30s. Yeah, that's probably the problem, right? I mean, he was the man for so long that he's not going to want to have to learn a new way of existing at 30 years old. Let's hit another break real quick. 
We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado. And Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Keg House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's, it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits, so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs. My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there, and they have a million TVs, it feels like. It's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere. If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today. And don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go Friday edition of the show down here at Blake Street Tavern. Terrison Wind and Christian Clark, of course. The Nuggets are in Charlotte tonight. Getting closer to wrapping up this road trip. Then they're in Atlanta Saturday night. Quick little southeast back-to-back. Then they come home. Two tough games at home next week, Memphis and Oklahoma City. Those should be some fun ones. This Nuggets offense, Christian, it's getting better. It's finding its rhythm. It's getting closer, I believe, to what it was last year and what I think it will be for the majority of this season. You've got some inkling about why this Nuggets offense has found its form as of late. And I think it has to do with the three-point shooting, possibly. Yeah, yeah, the, the three-point shooting. I mean, if, if you just look at Denver's last 10 games, they're averaging 30.8 assists. That's the most in the NBA by, like, more than two and a half assists per game. So the most by a pretty comfortable margin there. I, I think, you know... If you're looking for reasons why it's perked up the last 10 dozen games or so, I mean, I think the biggest thing you can point to is Juancho Hernan Gomez has been inserted into the starting lineup. That was a change that happened 12 games ago. The Nuggets are shooting 39.8% from three in those 12 games. That's the number one mark in the NBA. In the 12 games before that, they were shooting 30.7% from behind the three-point line. That was dead last in the NBA. So, I mean, we've just seen everything flip from there. We talked a lot about how things got kind of clunky and, and the spacing was off when, when Torrey Craig was in there in the starting lineup. Wancho has corrected a lot of those issues. I mean, he is just shooting it lights out right now. 46% from behind the three-point line on, on more than three and a half per attempts per game. He's been one of the best outside shooters in basketball, really, this season. And what we've seen is the Nuggets getting into that rhythm of, of playing Jokic ball Wancho is such a Jokic ball player. I don't think it's a coincidence that they look this in rhythm and Wancho's playing heavy minutes next to Nikola. Yeah, a couple great points there. He is a true Jokic ball player. He's a great piece for this team next to some higher usage guys like Jokic and Millsap and Gary Harrison, Jamal Murray. It's crazy that they're shooting the ball like this and Nikola Jokic has zero confidence in his shot right now. And Jamal Murray is still hovering around 30% from three. 
Gary Harris is at, what, 32 or 33% from three before he went down with this injury. So maybe their three, not their three best shooters, because, you know, Jamal what not your classic, like, high-efficient guy from three-point range. But two of their better shooters in Gary and Nicola have just not found their range from three-point land this year. And uh, they're making it work. Wancho's been a huge part of that. I remember going back to when they inserted Wancho into the starting lineup. That change really needed to happen. The Nuggets were not getting off to good starts in games. This starting lineup was not playing especially well with Torrey Craig. I remember thinking back uh, to the, we had so many debates about that starting lineup. And that was a change that really needed to happen. And uh, sure enough, over these last 12 games, the statistics have shown why that change needed to happen. Now Denver is uh, shooting the heck out of the ball. There's just more pace to its half-court offense. Everybody seems in a better rhythm now. You also get the feeling Jokic really enjoys playing with a Wancho, right? Maybe they've got that international ball connection, but those guys seem to really enjoy playing with one another. Um, Michael Malone talks about 0.5 second basketball. Wancho plays like 0.25 second basketball. Yeah. I mean, as soon as it touches his hands, if he's open, it's going up or he's moving it or cutting. I mean, he is the embodiment of read and react basketball. Yeah. What's he going to look like on the second unit, though? Because probably got to start preparing for that, for Will Barton to get back and want you to move back to the bench. I don't know, though, because if Will Barton comes back and Gary Harris is still unavailable. True. Um, I think they could go with a, a Murray, Barton, Wancho, Millsap, Jokic 5. True. That's a good point. I don't know how long Gary's going to miss, but I agree. That's a starting lineup they should go to if Barton does come back before Gary Harris is back in the lineup. The Murray, Barton, Wancho, Millsap, Jokic 5 should be a good 5. Yeah, I love that on paper. Yeah, you got offense defensively. You probably hang in there. It's also some decent size. Like Barton is a couple inches taller than Gary at the two. And we talk about the undersized Nuggets backcourt. That really isn't too undersized. Like Jamal Murray has good size for the point guard position. Gary Harris maybe slightly smaller than your average two guard, but uh, maybe they, they could have a bit more length there. I mentioned that Bleach Report article at the top of the show. I want to get into that a little bit because... Man, Jamal Murray had some fire quotes there, and it's similar stuff he said to us over the last couple years. But there is some good stuff in there. I'd recommend you guys go check it out. What was your reaction to that article? Because we know Jamal Murray's that kind of guy. He shows that mentality on the court and off the court. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, I thought the most interesting stuff in there was that the lack of media coverage, uh, you know, surrounding the Nuggets nationally. And the lack of coverage about Jamal Murray specifically, that's something that kind of irks at Jamal Murray a little bit. I, I thought the money quote from this article was, I've always had to show an edge, always had to be tougher than anyone else. I do think that we've seen things like him dribbling around Lonzo Ball in the waning seconds of that game last year and him jacking up that three at the end of regulation against Boston this year. Those are ways where Jamal Murray could make the news cycle about himself a little bit. I mean, I don't think that Jamal, I think that he wants to be a star, and that's perfectly fine. Like, 
you know, the Nuggets, I think they need a little bit of that irrational confidence, especially because Jokic, their best player, just doesn't really care about having the spotlight. But, yeah, Jamal Murray, he wants to be a star, and he's not scared to ruffle some feathers. He's not. I remember when that whole Lonzo thing started last year. His quote that night was, we got to have some rivalries, right? (laughs) And I got to imagine he was drafted to this team. The Nuggets were kind of like uh, the stepchild of the Western Conference, I felt like, two years ago when Jamal Murray got drafted. They didn't really know what their identity was. They were kind of just on the outside looking in. They didn't have any rivalries, of course. Let's change. That's really changed in these last three years. They have their identity now, and they also have some teams around the league who aren't too fond of them, and that's a great thing for the Nuggets. You got Portland up there. Those games are always intense. That quote-unquote rivalry will probably be there for a while or as long as Yusef Nurkic is in Portland, and then you got the Lakers too. That doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon, so I think it's great. I think it makes this Nuggets team a little more interesting, having a guy like Jamal Murray at the head of it and kind of being the spokesperson. Doesn't it seem like he's the spokesperson for this team a little bit right now? Yeah, yeah, especially with Will Barton's sideline. Yeah. When Will Barton's healthy, he's, I would say, the number one spokesperson right now. It's probably Jamal Murray and then Paul Millsap, something like that. Yeah. He's a different kind of spokesperson, though, than, <laughs> uh, than a Will Barton or a Paul Millsap. Like, Barton and Paul will... They'll give you the, they'll give you the gritty on what's going on with the team. You know where everybody's at right now. Jamal will go out there and ruffle some feathers a little bit. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, you know, Barton and, and Millsap, they don't go out there and say like, "Yeah, we're gonna bust your ass in the future" or something like that. I I can already see some reaction to you know Jamal Murray's perceived overconfidence here one of the quotes from this article was i know it can become the best basketball player in the world bleacher report already tweeted it out with like a a shocked face that quote and i'm I'm reading the replies here i will say that you have to have that mentality to get where you're at like i'm sure probably more than half of the players in the nba think they can become the best basketball player in the world for sure i mean that's just the mentality you have to have to get to that point and you just have to be so confident to be a professional athlete, I have absolutely no problem with that. As long as you know he's not like hijacking the offense, which he hasn't been. I gotta think this upcoming stretch, depending on how long Gary Harris is out, is gonna be a big opportunity for Jamal Murray. They need his scoring. They need his consistent play from the point guard spot. He played what forty something minutes in that last overtime game. He's probably gonna be playing close to forty minutes a night with Gary Harris out. There's going to be a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. There's going to be a lot of pressure. You got to think he welcomes that pressure, though. He likes that responsibility. He likes having to. He likes having to play well for the Nuggets to win. I think. And so these next uh, couple games, depending on how long Gary Harris is out, big games for Jamal Murray. He's leading this team in scoring right now, 17.9 points per game. He's leading this team in field goal attempts right now although he's not shooting like a terribly efficient percentage from the field, just 42% on around 16 shots a game. I think we could see maybe some 30-point nights from Murray over these next few games, maybe some 35-point nights. Like, the Nuggets are going to need him, and they're going to need him to produce, I think. Month of December treated him well last year. That was when he just caught fire. Right. 
Maybe that's what he catches fire this year. His three-point percentage still hovered around 32%. He's taken five threes a game. So maybe this is the month where he can figure it out from distance because, like I said, the Nuggets are going to really need it. They're thin in the backcourt right now. I mean, Jamal, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, those are really only their three guards right now. And then they got, of course, Devon Purcell, Brandon Goodwin on the bench. I don't think they really want to play either of those guys. So there's a lot riding on uh, Jamal Murray's play here. All right, I think that's mostly all we got for uh, this edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. Who do you think matches up on Kemba Walker tonight? Ooh, that's a tricky one because if you throw Torrey on Kemba, then that means Murray's got to guard Jeremy Lamb. I mean, that's, that's a little bit of a size disparity there. I would, I would probably bet Murray starts a game on him, actually. Okay. okay. I'll say Torrey Craig starts on him. That seems like the direction the Nuggets have gone as of late. When going up against these point guards, if Gary Harris isn't in the lineup, they've shut down a lot of all-star caliber point guards here over the last couple weeks. Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry. So we'll see if they can do that tonight against Kemba Walker. The Nuggets, I think, are, are feeling themselves right now. Did you see the clip the team account tweeted out today of Michael Ballone blaring Serbian pop music at practice during warm-ups? Yeah. They're in a good rhythm right now. Love it. Everything's great when you're winning. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Not a care in the world when you're winning. I was on the Locked On Nuggets podcast Thursday night. I think that came out uh, late Thursday night or early Friday morning with Brendan Vote, And he asked me, What's my biggest concern about this team right now? Everything's going great. They're defending really well. The offense is getting back to where it was. The three-point shooting is there like we talked about. What's my biggest concern about this team right now? And I said, I'm still a little unsure of how they're going to react to another stretch where they lose four out of five or lose maybe five out of six. Because I'm sure another stretch like that is coming this year. And earlier this season, they had a stretch like that. They got out of it, of course. But you remember the vibe around the team over those seven games. Miserable. It wasn't good. So that's a concern, I think, still with this team. How do they react to another stretch like that? Because as well as they're playing right now, they'll go through another tough stretch like that at some point this year. I'm curious to see how they react to it. The fact that they've been through it bodes well for them if they have to deal with another slump like that. Yeah, Nikola Jokic just seems so happy right now. Um, yeah. I mean, he seems like the happiest dude in the world, and he seemed like the most miserable dude in the world a couple weeks ago. So, I don't know, maybe he's got to do a little bit better job of staying even-killed. That's that's one area, I guess, to maybe prevent the Nuggets from getting so down when sure. they go through those rough patches. But he's playing great right now. Thanks for listening, guys. Again, we're recording here from Blake Street Tavern. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll be back with a new episode on Monday. Talk with you then. Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me, and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything 
finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to, and I've actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236.